everybody. Welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And here with us today, we have another one of our friends. Yay! <laughs> Welcome, Yay! Spencer. Spencer, tell our listeners who you are and where they can find you. Like, give us an elevator pitch for you. Oh, gosh. Elevator pitch. Talk about pressure. Okay. So, hi. <laughs> Thank you guys, first of all, so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on this and talk books with you guys because... I love it. <laughs> but um, so in terms of where you can find me, yes, my name is Spencer. And I have an Instagram and a YouTube channel by the same name of Intentionally Bookish, where I post basically every and anything about my love of books. I do have certain genres that I love more than others. Like Brie will tell you, I am a sucker for cozy mysteries. But at the same time, <laughs> obviously, I also hold romance near and dear to my heart. And then um, you know, I'm easily swayed by any and every type of book. So um, I will usually pick up any genre <laughs> that I am compelled to at the moment. Where did Intentionally Bookish come from? So um, <laughs> I'm going to have to have my husband listen to this because he's going to get such a big head. He actually was the one to come up with the name. Um, he's Yay. super supportive of my bookish habit and um, bless him for never judging every time I haul books into the house. And so um, he had seen me watching BookTube videos for a while and um, he just kind of threw it out there that I should start my own channel. But I was admittedly hesitant at first. I'm, you know, really shy and the, nobody likes to hear their own voice or kind of see themselves yeah. be awkward on camera. But I thought that it would be a, a good challenge and he kind of pushed me to do it. So literally one weekend he set me up in front of the camera. Um, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I'm pretty sure I just talked about books that I loved, which was the worst video ever because <laughs> I rambled, <laughs> but um, I didn't even think of the name or I didn't even have a name for my channel until after I filmed that video. And I was kind of, you know, tossing ideas back and forth and he came up with intentionally bookish and I'm like, you know what? That's a really good idea. I didn't want to tell him at first. Let's be honest. He would have gotten way too big of a head, but eventually that's where we landed. And um, I ended up making an Instagram, I think the same day that I released a video and that's, that's it from here. <laughs> awesome. I think every, like every creator on YouTube has those awkward first like, yes oh gosh five yeah. to ten yes videos. and let's I gotta be <laughs> yep. honest I don't yep. think it's quite gone away and I filmed at least a hundred videos by now but it's less awkward or rather I'm more comfortable with my awkwardness than I used to be so at least that's something <laughs> so how did you discover it in the first place like how did you discover that people were talking about books on YouTube you know what that's a great question um I think that, so it was a combination of two things. Um, I, well, <laughs> I'm laughing because a lot of these answers involve my husband, which is so interesting because I am the bookworm <laughs> of the family in the relationship. I love books, but somehow he's been the one to kind of push me in this direction. And I think one day he was um, just trying to find 
uh, particular books that would interest him. Because again, I know what I like. It's no problem for me to go into a bookstore or to look up books because, you know, Goodreads, Amazon, etc. But he doesn't really know where to start with that kind of stuff. And because he reads different genres that I do, I couldn't really help him. And so he was already into YouTube in general in terms of like following channels that he's interested in, etc. So YouTube was kind of like his Google. And so he went to YouTube to look up, um, I don't, gosh, I wish I could remember the genre. Let's pretend it was fantasy. But he went on to YouTube to find like the top fantasy books or something like that. And of course, you know, anytime you search anything bookish on YouTube, you're going to get a bunch of book uh, content creators. And so from there, I realized that there were all of these people talking about books on YouTube. And we kind of fell down the rabbit hole because naturally, um, when I saw that there were people talking about fantasy, I'm like, oh, there's got to be people talking about romance. There's got to be people talking about this, talking about that. And so I kind of took to YouTube myself to just kind of look up certain things that interested me. And then less YouTube's algorithm, I guess, <laughs> they started presenting me with all of these, um, all of these channels that I some of them I liked others kind of led me into the channels that I ended up subscribing to more that were kind of more my taste level. But regardless, once I found it, I mean, talk about obsessed, I'm pretty sure I did not watch um, cable TV or Netflix or anything for like weeks because I was obsessed mm. with booktube videos. And um, I mean, I'm still obsessed, but back then you could not pry me away from my computer. <laughs> yeah, same. I remember when I first mm -hmm. discovered it, I think like six months later, I was like, what else have I consumed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But I, I love the fact that you searched because I think it's so easy to like find that community and just watch what's recommended mm -hmm. to you. It never registered to me to look for anything mm -hmm. else. Eventually, I think the algorithm just found its way and I started finding other people. But like, I was so new to YouTube when I found that people were even talking right. about books on it. So like, I didn't know, oh, I should search for other genres. Mm -hmm. So that is really, I mean, because I think it's easy to be like, well, if I did this, I'd be the only person because <laughs> you're not recommended right, that. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, um, when I first came across kind of channels that I jibed with, now that I'm, I mean, it took me a while to figure this out, but the reason that I originally jibed with them was more so their personality. And I mean, as content creators, we probably have all done this, but um, because I was just so enamored with their personality and like the passion in which they spoke about books, that got me excited to pick up the books that they recommended only for me to realize like, mm, our taste levels really actually are not the same. And I find myself to this day constantly falling into that trap, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I've read books that were quote unquote outside of my comfort zone because of that. But at the same time, um, I kind of had to realize on my own, just because I like watching their videos doesn't necessarily mean that I have to um, match their taste level or pick up what they recommend, which again, thank goodness I had ended up also finding people who read genres or rather books that I preferred because then it was kind of like a happy balance between, um, you know, uh, watching videos for the actual book recommendations and just watching videos because you like the person's personality um, and just the way that they describe books. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that goes for like the book blogging community mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. whole, right? Like mm-hmm. it, you can enjoy what somebody puts out. And I think it is trial and error, right? Like you'll, okay, they recommend a book and you're like, that sounds like something that I'm going to enjoy. And then you pick it up and you're like, okay, maybe we don't necessarily <laughs> read Same, but I still really respect what you have to say. And I'm, I'm still going to yes. like watch your stuff or read your blog or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, I've, I've had that. We have to just kind of do our own thing and be Mm -hmm. supportive. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I fall, I, you know, and it just, even now when I know what's happening, I still have to give so much more props to those channels because they talk about books with such a passion. And that's why to me, I always kind of joke around. Obviously I love books and one of my hobbies is reading them, but another one of my hobbies is just straight up talking about books. And that's not even to say that it has to be a book that you like. But if you're talking to me about a book that you loved that I have zero interest in, I am going to be so interested after we talk about it because of the passion that you put behind it. And that's really one of the reasons why I, you know, subscribe to channels who talk about books differently or excuse me, talk about different books that I do because I just... I love when bookish people get together and talk about books because it's one of my favorite things. Yep. Yeah. I love finding people that don't read anything that I read, (laughs) but just Mm -hmm. seeing them nerd out about like their thing. Yes. Yes. There's like a whole TBR on my Goodreads of books that, I mean, I should probably literally put them in a separate category, but I've got a slew of books on my TBR that I know realistically probably never going to get to, but I've added them to my list because so-and-so has mentioned it. Do we have the same taste? No, but they love the book. So I'm like, it has to be great, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like explain to us, what is your specific, like, what is your thing? What is your reading, your favorites? We know you like romance. We know you like mysteries, but like break it down for us. What your favorite types in those genres are okay so we're gonna get real specific about like tropes and stuff like that so okay obviously yes i do love romance um i will try anything but the books that i find myself gravitating towards i love um hockey romances that's like a really specific trope <laughs> and and i think I've, i'm pretty sure i've made a video about this um quick little plug but anyway <laughs> I have never in my life even seen a hockey game. Am I a sports fan? Not really. But, you know, I picked up a hockey romance just serendipitously years ago and was so um, drawn in by the characters that I just could not put it down. And since then, I have intentionally sought out hockey romances. And I was trying to kind of pin down what exactly it is about hockey because we know that there's a bunch of other kind of sports, you know, football, baseball, I've read a couple of baseball ones, but I think the hockey one, what draws me in is is the unknown. I have seen baseball games. I've been to football games. You know, obviously basketball is nothing new around these parts, but because I haven't seen a hockey game or I'm not in that culture um, because I do live in the South, we don't even have a hockey team. <laughs> it's the it's the <laughs> unknown on top of the romance that really draws me into it. And, um, you know, admittedly, one of the things that I like about it is a lot of the times the male characters are 
um, what I call like gummy bear alphas, like they're very manly man, but at the same time, when it comes to pursuing the heroine, they will do just about anything. And it's such an interesting contrast because let's be honest, they're rugged, you know, <laughs> they're, they're muscular and they're manly alpha men. Um, and so to see them groveling or, you know, doing something unexpectedly sweet kind of really taps into something that I think is interesting. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I love hockey romances, which is such a random specific trope. <laughs> um, I just can't get enough of them. I love that though, because I don't think I've actually ever read a hockey. Oh, romance, I got some suggestions for, the, for you. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of the exact, like, I'm like, I've never seen hockey mm-hmm. before, yeah. so I don't want to read a hockey right. romance, but that's maybe I should go in with that mentality and like, I would probably really love it. I think it. you would. I no. think you would. And I would say, no. so I'm trying to kind of mentally catalog through the books that I've read. One of the upsides, again, at least of the ones that I've read, is that um, you don't even have to know anything about hockey. I think that it gives you just enough to help you envision, you know, obviously the, the situations where there are games involved, but there's never um, an, a use of, like an overuse of hockey jargon to where you're totally lost or scenes where it's so ingrained in that hockey specific world that you don't understand what's happening. It really just is relationships that the one of the characters just happens to be a hockey player. And that's also one of the things that I love about it, because, again, you don't have to be a sports fanatic. Now, if you were to ask a sports fanatic if they like this book, Honestly, I don't know if they would. They might actually say that they want more hockey in it. <laughs> but for a a non-hockey <laughs> lover or, you know, someone who's not familiar with the game, it's just the right amount for me. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I love it. And even the handful of other um, sports romances that I've read, it's kind of been the same way. It's just like a dab of the sports to kind of help you envision yeah. what the characters look like or what they do as their day job, et cetera, that propels the story forward, but nothing to where you're watching the sports segment of the news to where you're like, okay, I don't care about this port whatsoever. Yeah. Sarah, hockey and is like a thing a, in Canada, right? It's like, well, yeah, like I was, it's the, if you say you don't like hockey, <laughs> I mean, I grew up watching it every Saturday night. My brother mm. used to play, my husband played it, you know, like, but I don't like it. I'm not a fan of hockey. Don't tell anyone. Why, Sarah? It's, it's, I know, right? It's a boring sport. But when I read Serena Bowen's series, The Brooklyn Bruisers, that was so mm-hmm. good. And I was laughing because as I'm reading it, of course, I know the teams because I hear about it mm-hmm. all the time. And I'm reading it. And in that book, they never name team specific. It's like they played Toronto or they played mm-hmm. Winnipeg or they played, you know, New York. And I was telling my husband and he was having a good laugh about it, that they weren't naming specific teams, just cities. So but that is such a good uh, series, even like as someone who doesn't care for hockey, that was still a really mm-hmm. good series. Mm-hmm. Why don't you like it, Sarah? Because (laughs) it's a Why don't I like hockey? Do you know what? If you were to meet actual hockey players, professional hockey players, they're not. Yes. No, I mean, (laughs) I don't mean yes as in I agree, but I agree in the sense to where that is one of the things that I love about um, reading and books is that it kind of 
glamorizes certain subject matters because let's be yeah. honest, you know, yeah. it's, it's rare that you're going to find a billionaire who really is a philanthropist and wants to settle down with one yeah. woman, you know, that kind of thing. So I can I can completely imagine the same thing when it comes to hockey players. No offense to those out there who are gummy bear alphas, no, 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 no. but at the same time, <laughs> let's be honest, it's not going to be a team of them where each of them are looking to settle down and find their perfect match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there it's a brutal yeah. sport it's a very brutal sport it's it's that's part of the other thing i same with talk uh football not a huge yeah. fan of football either for yeah and it's it's funny because i <laughs> when they describe the um kind of like the hard hitting sem- semi violence that happens during the game i am all for it but at the same time it's because i'm yep. imagining it so i know in my head i've kind of toned it down a little bit but if i yeah. were to see it in real life i would be cringing and have to look away like the idea of someone knocking someone's teeth out makes me visibly cringe so you know that's yeah. not something i want to see in real life but if you put it on a book then yes i'm reading it it's true <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> you sprinkled like your sweet. Exactly. Theory, yeah, right. I'm yeah. literally reading with rose colored glasses and I am totally okay with that. <laughs> As a content creator and it's, it's bookish content. How do you balance? Okay. I'm reading for content versus like reading for fun. So I'm probably going to make a lot of other content creators, especially the ones more successful than me, gasp, I don't read for videos. Um, that was kind of like a rule that I set for myself in the very beginning because um, I've been in a situation so way, way back, <laughs> a couple of jobs before, I um, I actually was a book editor for like a small ebook publisher. And so I've kind of been in that world of reading for your job, rather reading for fun. And I knew that if I was going to do this, this being make bookish um, content for a hobby, I had to kind of set some ground rules for myself. Obviously, I don't have that many because I'm not a professional. But one of them was, one, never force myself to um, read. Now, of course, there are times where it's like, oh, I just want to binge and watch Netflix. That's fine for kind of forcing myself to read because it's like, okay, stop watching the same episode of Friends and pick up a book. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) you know, just to kind of – other than that, it's like I – I want to pick up what I want to pick up, um, read when I want to read, read the stuff. Even if people aren't talking about it, I will still read it anyway, even if I doesn't have a channel. And then I'll just happen to talk about it. There are plenty of um, books or authors that I have mentioned on my channel that are so far removed from, I guess, what your typical romance book blogger would be uh, reading or talking about. And that's totally like okay. Um, so that was always something for me. If I read a book and it fits into the genre that I, I guess I'm kind of known for, great. Obviously I'm going to gush about it. But at the same time, if I read something totally random, which (laughs) is, for example, Murder, She Wrote, I'm going to gush about that too. And I don't care if people are going to love it or not. And, you know, admittedly, the more that I made videos and kind of watch other people's videos and integrated myself into that world, it gets hard to kind of stick to your morals because even though you say that the numbers don't matter and the view counts don't matter, you do get excited when um, you see a certain video does well, but then at the same time, another video that you're excited about 
doesn't do as well because it doesn't necessarily fit into Mm -hmm. your quote unquote theme. So that said, (laughs) I still kind of keep trucking along. Um, One of the upsides is that because a lot of the uh, folks that I follow do have great recommendations for books that I do like, I'm very swayed. So a lot of times I will pick those up. And if I love them, that I'll talk about them. But if I find a book on my own that is, again, outside of the realm, that nothing's going to stop me from picking it up and reading it as well and talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that you established some rules for yourself because I, mm-hmm. I never did that. Mm-hmm. I never said, okay, this is what you're you're not going to mm-hmm, do, you know, mm-hmm, or like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say the word not because then it sounds kind of limiting, sure. but like just giving yourself like setting those that permission to be like, you are going to read mm-hmm. what you want to read. And like, yeah. we're not going to steer away from that. Like I really I have never really heard anybody say in the like book blogging world, like these are the rules that I have for my space. Yeah. And I'll admit I've. I've made, (laughs) I don't want to call them mistakes, but I've learned along the way, again, because I am easily swayed, as I'm sure a lot of us are, when we see our friends talking about a certain book, and they're so excited about it, and it's like, I trust Bree's recommendations anyway, so I'm going to pick this up. There have been instances where I've picked up said book, and I've given it the old college try of reading it, and I'm like, you know what? This isn't for me. I am heavily team DNF. I will admit that I will put a book down if I don't love it. (laughs) And um, that's something that I've had to come to terms with because I've been in the middle of, um, for example, uh, reading vlogs where I've, you know, filmed myself over the weekend reading a certain book uh, with the intention, obviously, to talk about it and have gotten halfway Let's not even say halfway. I've gotten a quarter through the book and it's Saturday night. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. I don't love this at all. And it's awful because it's like, okay, well, what about the video that I'm in the middle of making? (laughs) And I'll just have to Mm -hmm. just, you know, I think maybe I've pushed through before, but more often than not, I'm just very straightforward. And I'm like, hey, guys. I didn't finish. You know, I actually switched gears. I'm a mood reader. I'm totally fine with that. But then, you know, the video ends up taking a different direction because let's be honest, I'm pretty sure viewers can tell when content creators don't love a book or it's forced. And I cannot hide my expressions whatsoever. So there's no way I'm going to be able to fake (laughs) loving a book that everybody's talking about. And, um, I just, just a really quick anecdote as an example that comes to mind. Of course, I'm forgetting the name of the book, but there is a Sarah J. Mass book that came out, House of Blood and Fire. Oh, I don't remember. It's the thick one that's red and orange. (laughs) 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 Feel free to insert the name of the title because I can't remember. But anyway, um, everyone was talking about that book and I did read the description and it seems so interesting and I've read some of her work before and I'm like yes I'm going to hop on this I got that book I maybe to this day (laughs) I have not gotten past page 100 and at the time I was on two different live shows where you know we would kind of have reading sprints and then kind of talk about what we read and I'm like okay well perfect opportunity I'm going to read this book it will force me to make a dent 
both times I did, I read the same 80 pages and I did not get past it. And, you know, there were people on the live show who had read it and they're like, no, Spencer, you got to just push through. It's so good. And I believe them. But at the same time, I know my own limits and I just had to just, yeah. I had to give up. I it just, I'm pretty sure I even gave the book away or unhauled it just so that it wouldn't be staring at me so that I wouldn't yeah. feel guilty. But that's just yeah. an example of, again, I went in with the best intentions uh, because it seemed interesting. But, you know, when you really dig into it, because there's nobody beside you reading, you know, you're by yourself. And yeah. if you're just not connecting to the story, then there's not really much else you can do. <laughs> yeah. And oh. her books are thick. They are commitments. Yes. So yes. if you are like a hundred pages in and you're like, I still have four hundred more pages yes. to go and I'm not feeling yeah. this, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. to me, one hundred pages like like seventy five to hundred pages, I know. Yes. I'm either in yes. this or I'm not. Yes. And in a book that's <laughs> 700 pages long, the real meat of the story probably doesn't happen until page 250. And let's be honest, yeah. most trade paperbacks, the whole thing is 250. So it's like, yeah. I could have been yeah. done with three books by now if I had, <laughs> instead of reading the same 80 pages, just completely read a different story. So, but yeah, and it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned the thickness of the book because um, I don't know where in my reading career this started, but I started not judging, but basing like almost hesitating to pick up large books, which is so odd because when I was a kid, um, it didn't matter if the book was 100 pages or 500 pages. If it sounded good, I'm picking it up. I'm reading it overnight. You know, it doesn't matter. I will just fly through mm -hmm. the pages. But I don't know if it's because now as an adult, I have more obligations or I'm more um, discriminative, I guess, with my time. But if a book is that big, I will hesitate for just a little bit because um, I just don't know if I want to take that commitment on. And so that's something that I've been trying to kind of undo because there's obviously a lot of great books out there that are large or that are a commitment um, that I just haven't been giving a chance. But what's really interesting is I don't do that when it's a Kindle or excuse me, an ebook. Um, when it's an ebook, I don't even... I don't even notice how many pages there are. I'm just like, okay, how much is it? I'm going to buy it. And, um, you know, personally, and I, f I found maybe you guys feel the same way if you read ebooks, but I tend to read them faster. To this day, I don't know yeah. why. But I have read ebooks that are 400 ish pages that felt like nothing. So it's so interesting that when I see a physical book that's probably the equivalent, I'm like, ooh, ah, like hemming and hawing about whether or not I want to pick it up. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of like an observation that I, I have discovered about myself that I'm trying to undo, but you know, old habits die hard. <laughs> that's interesting because I feel like I'm such a slow ebook reader. Interesting. Yeah. But then I also feel like I'm a slow physical no. book reader. <laughs> I think that it might be a mental thing because I also find I'm a quicker mm -hmm. ebook reader. It's because when you have the physical book, you can see where that mm -hmm. bookmark is and you can see how much space you still have left. With an ebook, you don't yeah, you can look down and see what percentage you're at, but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything. It's it's a visual thing, I think. And I don't know, there's just something about flying through Yes. It's so much faster. Yep, and I totally yep. agree, especially when you have the 
um, page percentage at the bottom turned off, um, which I did accidentally. And that just made even more of a difference to where when I turned it back on, I'm like, I don't like this because I I will just keep checking. It's almost like checking the clock, you know, and I don't want to do that because then I'm like, okay, well, when's the conflict coming? And especially in books, and I find that a lot of eBooks do this and it's no fault of their own, but the real this the real story would end at like anywhere from depending on the length of the book anywhere from 80 to 95% because the rest of it would yeah. just be okay. kind of the junk at the end and so it would yep. throw me off if i'm like 70% in and all of a sudden things are wrapping up and i'm like hey ho oh, wait a second i thought i had like three more chapters and you know five pages later yeah and then five pages later the story's ending and you just like okay i'm a little yeah. disappointed but i don't know if that's my fault or not <laughs> yeah you're right you're right i love the surprise of like oh i'm good <laughs> yeah i definitely feel accomplished afterward <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have to talk murder. Oh show. my goodness. Okay. <laughs> that is your thing. And I will like it's almost like when I found Sarah and she was talking Harlequin. It's like somebody talking about something nobody else is talking about. And you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier mm-hmm. like you have to get to that point where you're like I love these books and I'm going to talk about them. And these may be Mm -hmm. the videos that don't get that much, you know, viewship or if it's a blog, like the, you know, visibility on that blog post, whatever, but like staying true to yourself and like somebody out there is going to enjoy it. So how did that love start? And at what point did you realize like, I'm going to talk about this. This is my space and I do what I yeah. want. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's funny that you say that because I do have an entire video dedicated to my Murder, She Wrote collection, which I had been toying around with as a book idea from the very minute that I started my channel, but it took me a while Um for this, so the reason that you said, Brie, because I wasn't sure how it was going to be received. I thought at the time, in order to be successful as a uh, booktuber, you had to have specific themes, etc. And it wasn't until I kind of got a little bit more comfortable that I just threw all that out the window. And I'm like, no, I'm making a video just to have my love of it out there. And if anything, just so that I can watch it back. <laughs> but um, yeah. mm-hmm. my love for Murder, She Wrote, um, I mean, okay, so as we all know, or maybe some of your listeners don't know, it's um, based on a show, an 80s TV show about an older woman named Jessica Fletcher who um, was a retired school teacher who started um, instead or once she retired, writing mystery books and along the way started solving crimes as like an amateur sleuth. Um most people who are familiar with the series who were around my age probably learned about it and watched it while they were with their grandparents because, again, at the time, it's like an older woman, very grandmotherly. Jessica Fletcher reminds me so much of my grandmother. It's not even funny, even though I'm we look totally different. <laughs> but anyway, so... Um, Oddly enough, I was in a completely different country. I was in Guatemala um, doing like a language study and I stumbled into one of their book. I say stumble. Let's be honest. I sought it out <laughs> because I'm like, it doesn't matter. Where, yeah, it doesn't matter where I am. I have to visit the bookstore. And so I went into the bookstore and I was actually really surprised to see that they had an English section. And um, while I was kind of browsing the books, I came across a Murder, She Wrote, um, not adaptation, but 
well, I guess you would call it an adaptation, um, but it was a completely different story than one of the TV episodes. And so I'm like, oh, you know, this, this is, this is interesting. You know, first of all, I know that they have made books um, with the same characters, but those were usually for more popular things at the time, like Star Wars, I think was one of the really popular ones. Um, maybe Law and Order, I don't know, but things that were way more prevalent than Murder, She Wrote. So because already that kind of um, reminded me of my childhood, I just had to pick one up and they were so cheap. So lo and behold, later that night, um, I don't have anything better to do. And I dive into this book and I'm instantly hooked. Like, because I was familiar with the show, I was able to envision all of the characters. And it just made my heart feel so warm and fuzzy that I kid you not, the next day I went back, this was a used bookstore, I went back and bought all of them. <laughs> um, now, granted, oh. there were only like, maybe five of them total, but it doesn't matter. I bought them all. And I read, I think nearly all of them. And then um, I packed them up in my suitcase. And so when I got back home, or back to America, America, um, you know, that was kind of it for a while until I stumbled across the books again in a used bookstore where I live. And so again, it kind of like all the memories came rushing back and it kind of reminded me of the series that I had picked up. And so it was from there that I started collecting them. Um, and then oddly enough, I would always find them in used bookstores. So it kind of became a thing to yeah. where if I went to a used bookstore, I'm going to look for them and then, you know, continue looking and buying anything else. But if I found like one or two at a used bookstore, I would buy them. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I would read one every now and then. But at that time, it was mostly just to collect them just for the um, just for the nostalgia of them. And so before I knew it, I ended up having like over 20 of them, um, which seems like a lot, but at the same time, there are over 50 books in the series now, which I had no idea about because again, this was just kind of a fun thing that um, I wanted to kind of do. And then when I realized that they were still publishing them, I'm like, oh, okay, hold the presses. I need to up my game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, anytime I... I, I read them, obviously, but I'm very specific about when I will read them. Um, whenever I am in a reading slump, whenever I am kind of feeling down or I need kind of like a comfort, those are the books that I will pick up. And I find that it's enough to kind of help push me through whatever kind of bad day or negative emotions that I'm feeling just because, again, it's so nostalgic and it makes me feel good. And admittedly, we all know how the stories are going to end and basically beat for beat what's going to happen. But to me, that's what the comfort is. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's something that I absolutely adore so much. So to even my friends at work know about my obsession, because as we know, like repeats <laughs> run on TV on Hallmark and stuff, and they also know my Hallmark addiction. So, um, Mm -hmm. They're always joking with me about, you know, what would Jessica Fletcher do and all of that kind of stuff. So it's kind of become this weird <laughs> thing that I'm known for, but I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> I, I Every time I see it on Hallmark, I'm like, I wonder if watching. I, you know, it's so funny because I have them. So first of all, unfortunately, they don't have the like digital versions for you to buy or else I would have 
been bought them. Um, But whenever they do come on TV, I have my DVR set to record them. So because they're always in marathons, let's be honest. So that way, again, if I'm having a bad day or it's a rainy day or something like that, I can just put it on and play it in the background. Um, so I, I love both the shows and the books. And so, yeah, any, again, a lot of my friends say the same thing as you, Brie, like anytime it comes on, they're like, oh, I wonder if Spencer's seen this episode or I wonder if so-and-so I'm like, yep, probably been there, done that. (laughs) And I find it cool because I read a cozy mystery, I think in February for Angela at books are my heart. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mystery book club. And in that book that we read this, the, the sleuth was like, I think she was like 68 Mm -hmm. or something. She was older. And I was like, I want more older lady sleuths. Like, I just found that so cool. (laughs) And so when I see Murder, She Wrote On, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I just love this this older woman solving these mysteries. Yeah. 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 It's definitely, you know, I, I, it comforts me again because it reminds me of my grandmother and I have nostalgic feelings. So I think that's a lot of where it comes from. And then also, let's be honest, a lot of the books, at least a lot of the ones that I read in either cozy mysteries or romance or even just general fiction, not all, but a lot of them feature women in the same age demographic, which is to say 45 max, you know, 45 years old max. Mm -hmm. So to, it's almost refreshing to read about someone who is older, still competent, obviously very sharp, very witty. Um, and I, I admire that because, you know, as much as I love tropes and kind of the comfort in knowing what's going to happen and the same, you know, type of characters, to have somebody else that kind of goes against that and it be just as successful as the series that feature um, younger or middle-aged women, it's, it's something that I really enjoy looking at. Yeah, I love that. So your husband has a YouTube channel as well where he shared <laughs> y'all's traveling. <laughs> so I'm assuming that life of self-isolation has really sucked oh, for you Oh, goodness. Too. Yes. <laughs> you have no idea. But what are, um, like, what's one of your favorite travel locations that you've been to and, like, you know, what what are some of your favorite memories from exploring these di- like I've watched the video oh my like, goodness uh, I just want to travel uh, yes you, so and me, you and me both so um so yeah he does have a travel YouTube channel called the daily destination which um again stemmed from his love of watching other YouTube travel bloggers we love to travel in general that's something that um is kind of our thing prior to the pandemic a couple of years ago we had like this um goal to do 10 stamps in 10 years, which is to say um, 10 stamps in your passport, basically 10 different abroad trips within 10 years, which we were on track to do until dang you, coronavirus, Um, (laughs) that kind of put a halt to things. But um, so yeah, so I believe the first trip that um, he officially kind of vlogged was our trip to Mexico City, which at this point was probably like a year and a half, two years ago. And um, it was amazing. And, you know, it was just so fun to um, have that trip and kind of experience it in a different way or experience it even deeper with him 
basically chronicling it through video because um, let's be honest, as much as we go on vacation and kind of love it while we're there, even when we come back kind of reminiscing, a lot of the times those memories will slip through your fingers as time goes on. But if you have it kind of memorialized in a video, it's always fun to um, rewatch them or, you know, use it as inspiration for if you go back, etc. So that was a fun way to experience Mexico City. As far as kind of like the my most memorable trips aside from Mexico City, which I love. I've been to Mexico a handful of times and I just really enjoy the culture, obviously the food, but the people are just really friendly. Um, Another trip that we went to, this was a few years back, but it was to Montreal actually. And everything came together so perfectly on that trip. We went during the winter and, um, you went to Canada in I the know. winter? Hey, oh, it is. It is. Winter. And, you, you know, hey, I live in Atlanta where we don't get nary a lick of snow. And, um, you know, to experience And when that, you do, the whole city shuts <laughs> Right. Down. And by snow, I was by snow it. it's maybe two inches down here and it's done the next day. So yeah. we wanted something completely different, you know, a literal winter wonderland. And so we went up um, – during Christmas time. And so my birthday happens to be on New Year's. So it was kind of like Christmas slash New Year's, uh, New Year's Day that we went up and everything just fell into place. You know, first of all, we landed and then the snow happened. It's not like we had to get delayed. So that morning, we literally woke up to a fresh blanket of snow. Um, You know, we walked along the cobblestone streets where everything was just so white and pure. And, um, At the time, even, you know, I guess because it was Christmas or holiday time, we stumbled across a bunch of kind of, I guess, neighborhood um, fairs or, you know, where they have like lights and events where you can get hot chocolate. I mean, Brie, I swear it was something out of a Hallmark movie. It was just so romantic. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's just... Oh. How far is Montreal from you, uh, Sarah? You know, I know nothing about for Canada. For me, it's a good <laughs> eight to ten hour drive. Mm. Okay, at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was so great. And again, because of the snow and you know just the different hole in the wall restaurants, everything just came together, and it was just so beautiful. And again, it's very different than a lot of our trips because of the weather. A lot of times, even if we do travel in the winter, it's um, warm, tropical, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So to have something completely different was uh, way up my alley. And I will say just to kind of piggyback on uh, visiting Canada, we were actually scheduled to go to Toronto for our next trip, literally the weekend that things shut down. And I mean, like Justin, the, the speech where Justin Trudeau was like, okay, talking to his Canadian friends and family, like, okay, it's time for you guys to come home. And of course, we're like, no. (laughs) So needless to say, we haven't been anywhere abroad in a year. And so, um, you know, I'm itching to go there eventually, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later once things open back up. Yeah. I just want to travel. About traveling to, Go ahead. The fun thing about traveling to Quebec is that you can feel like you're going to a completely different mm-hmm. country. Like, you know, you're still within North America, but I remember when I, like, because I will drive to Ottawa mm-hmm. or Gatineau, and when I cross over the border from Ontario into Quebec, 
I'm like, oh, I'm in a foreign country. (laughs) No, I agree. (laughs) And it was so interesting because I knew that French was the the other official language. But again, and this could just be my ignorant American mind, I still think like, okay, Canada, obviously these are just our friendly neighbors to the north who also speak English. But let me tell you, (laughs) that first night we landed, it was late. And so we had like limited food options. So I think we stopped at like this hamburger joint near our – hotel and the woman at the counter did not speak English. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, that's fine, but I don't speak French. I can't even fake French. You know, if this was Spanish (laughs) or Japanese or something else, I could wing it to at least say, you know, hello, do you speak English? But I couldn't even do that in French. And so we were just really chuffed at that because again, it's something that you know, but it just kind of flies out of your mind because it's like, it's not as if we flew, you know, 14 hours somewhere. It was literally a two hour flight. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it was, but you know, that made the trip again, even more special because it's like, we're not even that far from home, but this is just completely different, which I was loving. It's like otherworldly. And I mean, I took it. And I mean, I can't, and I cross the border and I go in and I go to like a Mm -hmm. Tim right? For a coffee. And and they're bonjour. And I'm like, hi. (laughs) And immediately they switch to English. (laughs) I had to like message, like we were talking about Canada, like in a message one day. And I'm like, so explain to me where exactly Toronto is. She's she like, most of the cities are close to the border. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like just, it felt like it's not nearly like right on right. top of America. Right. It feels so otherworldly. Like I said, Toronto, if you look at a map, you know, and you go across, we're pretty much on par with San Francisco. We're not as far north as a lot of people right. think. Like, Our friend Jenna's in Fargo, North Dakota. She's a lot further north than I am, you know, like if you think about it. So it's, it's, it's weird to wrap your head around that when you think about Canada and the U.S. relations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Texas and you seem really far away. So (laughs) that's what I mean. Let's be honest. It probably is because depending on where in Texas you are, Texas itself, you drive eight hours and you're still in Texas. Well, here on the Categorically Romance podcast, we love category romance. So can you tell us how you found your way into category romance? Yes. Okay. So, and I remember this very vividly um, because it's also how I found another or it's how I also found just the romance genre in general. Um, same type of story, just different timeline. But basically, I came across category romance paperbacks, to be specific, at a yard sale. Um, one of the things that I used to do with my grandmother all the time was just hit up yard sales, which is like my favorite thing in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And again, naturally, I always flock to the books. And so um, usually when people have yard sales, if they're readers, they're really, really readers, you know, so they have boxes of books, (laughs) which was always my jam. And so, um, again, if somebody uh, reads Harlequin or category romances, they also usually have them in the bucket loads, you know, because they're so inexpensive and they're so short, et cetera. 
And so um, I came across them then. And at the time, I was still new to romance, um, but I just had to pick them up. And I believe, I'm trying to remember what my first foray were into. I think it was maybe kind of one of each, like a Blaze uh, Presents. Um, there, I remember there. I came across duets, which I don't even think they make anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I love them so so much. Um, I just remember being so fascinated with the fact. So, side note, I am a sucker for series. Like, I love knowing that there are just hordes of books for me to continue on if I like the first one. And to me, category yeah. romance is like a giant series. Now, obviously. They're different books and different authors and different tropes, but they all fit within under the same umbrella. And so it was comforting to know if I um, found a line that I connected to the most, I could have my pick of backlist authors and books from them, um, which is exactly what I did. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those are the ones that I would just kind of like eat up like M&Ms because they're so short. Um, they're so, you know, depending on the line, they're so either like quick paced or heartwarming or, you know, anything like that. But, um, they always kind of get me in the feels. I always am sucked in by them. And so it's been, man, how old am I? (laughs) It's been over 20 years, I would say, since I first came across them. But, you know, coincidentally enough, I've never bought a, uh, category romance from a grocery store, which I know is where they originated, if I believe, or, you know, that's where a lot of people um, recall seeing them. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't until after I kind of stumbled across them at a yard sale that I started to actually notice like, oh, yeah, here they are, you know, next to the cards in the grocery store. But even then, I never pick them up Mm. new or fresh just because I don't know if it's just because I'm a sucker for used books, but I find it charming to stumble across them serendipitously rather than seek them out at the grocery store. And also, I think just a matter of principle, I'd rather pay 50 cents to $2 than, you know, (laughs) $4.99 or, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're definitely less expensive than normal trade paperbacks these days, but I'm like, I can get these for like, 10 for $10. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's, that was kind of my first foray into category romance. Nice. That makes sense because, you know, you kind of started with yard sales with your grandmother and now it just, Mm -hmm. everything makes sense. (laughs) Being in Guatemala, hitting up the bookshop. Like I think that there is something just very amazing about knowing and owning like I am a thrift book lover yeah. like I feel like there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it yeah yeah and I and it's so interesting because you know growing up um whenever so I'm an I'm an only child not that that has anything to do with anything but I say that to say my mom always fostered my love for reading so um anytime I wanted to go to the bookstore or get a book she would always it's like, yes, okay, fine. It wasn't like, oh, well, save up your money, or it wasn't like I was asking for something large. Um, admittedly, you know, I, again, I don't know if that makes me spoiled, but I just really always appreciated the fact that um, 
I was able to get whatever book that I want, even if that meant yeah. going to Barnes and Noble and paying for a hardback or spending hours in the library. That's something that was always encouraged. And so um, I just- You were supportive. Yeah, exactly. You, you exactly. So, you know, I find it interesting that um, it wasn't like I was ever stopped or prohibited from spending $100 at Borders. But again, I still preferred the used bookstores. I think it's just the the comfort of them and, you know, stumbling across something that you weren't looking for. To me, that's like the best feeling in the world. It's a yeah, time. exactly. And especially, um, you know, in the age before, say, Goodreads, which what would we ever do without Goodreads? <laughs> you know, I didn't have a direction as to, you know, I didn't have a list of books that I had looked up before um, or gotten recommendations. It was just like I discover books by going to the bookstore and reading the back of every single cover. And when you're at a used bookstore, they, sim- they seem to be a lot more um, randomized than if you were at, again, a normal bookstore. And so that to me just kind of added to the excitement of everything. Yeah, there's something that I love about getting a book that somebody else had and Mm -hmm. loved. Like I love getting used books and seeing like uh, somebody's phone number written mm-hmm. down or like a little yeah. stub from like a grocery list yes. that they stuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like this book belongs to, yep. and then the person's yes. name. I just, yes. I, I love I that. do too. I do too. And it's interesting because I'm so, so we know that when it comes to readers, there are two camps. You're either a spine breaker or you try to keep them intact. Mm-hmm. I like to keep my, I physically, it hurts me to break my books. But for some reason, a used book where the spine is already broken, it's like, oh, good. Someone did the dirty work for me already. It's already (laughs) pre-loved. So I can just go into it without having to make sure it's shiny and new. But I hear you, Brie. It's it's really fun to be reading a book and something kind of falls from between the pages. And it's just a random card or a note or something you know, that you would never a train ticket. I don't know. I think one time I bought a book and it was um, an airline ticket stub left in there. And I'm like, I know that they bought this at like the little bookstore kiosk that you get. Like it just started imagining what they did prior to them reading the book. And it's just really fun. One thing Sarah and I talk about all the time is like, I think there's a lot of talk in the bookish world about consumerism Mm -hmm. And I think especially for us as like romance readers and even like with you with like the cozy mysteries, there's something just really like satisfying. Like I think that we're okay with saying, yes, I am a collector of these books. Like I will order a box of used books because Mm -hmm. I just have this fear like one day I'll really want to read this book and it may be really hard to track Mm -hmm. down. So let me get it while I can get it. Yep. Yep. It's funny that you say that because, um, I, I came across someone's post on Instagram, but they posed a question that everyone in the comments related to, which is, you know, how many of us have bought an entire series of a book that we've yet to read? And I'm like, Oh, that's me. You know, (laughs) That's me. I, yep. you know, I, I can tell from reading the blurb of book number one that I, this is going to be my jam. So I might as well get books five through seven now because they're all here and they're all available. Um, yeah. But I hear you, Bria. At the same time, I mean, you know, and it doesn't help. 
that, again, I never restrict myself from buying books, but I do have to think about why I want the books because I'm easily swayed. And so, you know, for example, when you're showing your haul and your box of books, I'm like, oh my God, this is a thing. I need to do it now. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm very easily influenced, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I need to rein it in a smidgen just so that, um, you know, basically we have somewhere to sleep and books aren't taking over my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I kind of rationalize it by doing like a, a batch in, batch out kind of situation where um, once I feel as if my collection can't doesn't really have anywhere else to grow, I'll kind of go through everything and be like, okay, I will donate these to the used bookstores, not to free up space in my house, but just to free up room for more books. So I will take yeah. that $40 or whatever that they give me and I will literally walk through the aisles yet again and replenish my stock with fresh books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah that's, so we've been talking about like the same thing, basically like freeing up space. You know, you have those mm -hmm. books that you're like, I I've read this and I will probably never read mm -hmm. it again. Why am I holding on to it? And then you have those mm -hmm. ones where it's like, I have read this and I don't want to part oh, yeah. with it. I know I don't want to part sure. with it. So yeah. it's staying. So just kind of, you know, how we're we're trying to get better about letting go. <laughs> it's hard to let go of it's books. Very but, hard. I mean, you really, it's also really just kind of like a breath of fresh air once you drop that box of books off and you're like, okay, now there's mm -hmm. more space mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that I can work with. Yeah. yeah. To, to bring in the other box. Yeah, books. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, just again, I know I had kind of joked earlier that in addition to reading it being one of my hobbies, how talking about books is another one of my hobbies. A third hobby is collecting books. Let's be honest, that is a totally separate thing from actually reading them. Absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not really a, um, a shopaholic in the sense to where I have a bunch of clothes or a bunch of accessories, but books are my thing. You know, I will wear the exact same shirt or I will gawk at a shirt that's priced for $50, but will not hesitate to spend that much on, you know, two hardback books, essentially. Um, yep. And so I just think it's so funny because like you were saying, Brie, you know, we have to kind of differentiate between the books we can actually let go and the ones that we kind of want to hold on to. And there are some books where they've made it past my cut multiple times of kind of books that I want to get rid of just because the memory and the fondness that I have for them, I'm like, I can never let this book go. Some of them are books that I've read, which obviously makes sense because the story is near and dear to my heart. But there are others where I'm like, no, you know, I, I just still need to have this. So like a perfect example yeah. is I have a book of um, it's like a hardcover old school fairy tales book that, again, I bought from like a used bookstore, street market, whatever. Um, it's not a book that you really, you know, pick up and read cover to cover. You know, it's fairy tales. We all know what they are. But I just can't get rid of it. Nothing like this yeah. is just too good, you know, for me to get rid of. And so I, I hear you on that. Yeah. Well, let's get into some finish the sentence. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> um, the movie I'll never stop watching is. You've got mail. 
Zero hesitation. That's like my favorite movie, hands down, ever. And I can watch it a million times. And I do watch it a million times. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, The first song on the soundtrack of my life is? Um, I'm going to go with ABBA's Dancing Queen. Don't know why. It's not as if I'm a dancing queen, but I feel like if I had to glamorize my life, I would want to be. So that's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) I love it. Let's go with Dancing Queen. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, If I were the heroine in a romance novel, the trope I want to be in my story is? Um, Probably the trope that happened in my actual life, which is friends to lovers. That's how my husband and I met and kind of got together, um, which is so ironic because I don't like reading friends to lovers romance. I actually prefer enemies really? to lovers. Yes, Brie, I know it's so controversial. I just, the heat with enemies to lovers and the verbal sparring gets me a lot more than just, you know, a friend discovering that they've had feelings for their friend the whole time, which is what <laughs> happened in real life. But again, it's it's not glamorized as much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that is fun. No, that's fun. My last five-star read was... Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with the last one I remember. I'm sure there was some other than that, but this one that was probably the most impactful was is uh, Beach Read, um, which I read last year by Emily Henry, I believe. And um, coincidentally, I'm pretty sure that's it's marketed as um, women's fiction rather than romance. But that book made me sob. I was up at two o'clock in the morning, um, you know, talk about book hangover. I talked about it for weeks. I loved it so much that I sent one of my girlfriends a copy of it. And I'm like, you need to read this. I'm not one to push books on my friends who aren't in the book world. But um, I sent her a text message and I'm like, hey, I bought this book for you. Please read it now if you care about our friendship. (laughs) And luckily for me, she not only read it, but she loved it. And um, yeah, I really, really loved that book. That book was huge. Yeah. It was huge last year. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, Brie, because I'm one of those weirdos who is actually turned off by new, really popular books or books that everyone is raving about. I just feel like um, if it's overhyped, I go in with too many expectations, but Something about this one, I'm pretty sure one of my bookish friends on Instagram who knows my taste really recommended it. And, you know, this is one of those times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to ignore the fact that everyone's talking about it and actually read it. And I'm so glad that I did because, again, I adored that book so much. And to this day, like, I got to stop talking about it now because I'll spend another hour talking about it here (laughs) on your podcast. Sarah, you have to read it. Oh, you haven't read it yet? I, I got to get to it. <laughs> no, I, I have an ebook copy of it and an audiobook copy of it. I have ah, yes. <laughs> yes. I think I was waiting for the for the hype. Yep. Like Bree and I have talked about it too. It's like, I don't like going into a yep. book when there's hype. I'd rather wait till the hype is over. I totally agree. I totally understand. So yeah. two years from now, when you finally read it, <laughs> let us know what you think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because yeah, that is, that is a book that I still, I think is still pretty popular yeah 
I feel like it, it's still being talked about. And I'm like, the new one is about to come out. I, <laughs> like, yeah, I was yeah. just going to say that. Yeah, I didn't realize it was about to come out. And now I'm like, oh, do I want to piggyback and read it now? Or do I want to wait two years like I would normally do? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Rapid fire. Um, ebook, audiobook, or paperback? Oh, crap. Um, ebook. That's such a hard question. <laughs> um, a category romance line you want to read more from. Oh, that one's pretty easy because I was just thinking about this. I want to read more from the heartwarming line. Um, oh, yes. I know. Yes. I know. We're gonna, you're going to have to give me a whole list of recommendations <laughs> because um, in terms of the ones that I've read the least, that's it. And I just – I know that they're – literally heartwarming and um you know i don't know if that's just something that i find i need more of or i want to dive more into because the other ones have become a little bit um repetitious but definitely the heartwarming line is the one that i want to kind of explore more recently yeah they're awesome <laughs> i think that you um, an do. autobi author I was going to say, I think she should do, because you remember we were talking about the subscription box i feel like spencer yes. should do the There's subscription, a subscription box, box? And get the heartwarming. Yeah, there's subscription boxes. Oh, no. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Is it like, do they send you two two or four? I feel like there's four. Four. Okay. Four. No, because there's four that come out right. every month, so you would get four. You'd get all four yeah. new can you heartwarming. Mix, can yeah. you mix Try and match, it. or is it only from one line? <laughs> no, Bri and I have said that, that that needs to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to – well, I mean, that would be a great way to – really dive into heartwarming but it would be perfect like if we all got a box with a different one we can do like sisterhood of the traveling harlequins and like, like switch them yeah. around <laughs> i love it yeah i, I think knowing that because your whole kind of aesthetic is cozy yeah like you're all about being cozy yeah. and relaxed and self-care and like being in the moment mm -hmm. and i feel like heartwarming would just absolutely be your thing mm. it's like small town cozy. Oh, i love small town. there's a there's a lot of cowboys but i don't there's not they're not all right. cowboys but it's it's really like small town charm mm -hmm. setting that's what I, I think that you'll love it oh i mean even just talking about it makes me feel all warm inside but i will have to say one of my hesitancies which i again i need to get over is that um Sometimes I'm not a fan of closed door romance and I know <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure and please correct me if I'm mistaken but I know heartwarming is is one that is a little lighter on the um passion there is okay none. well there you go <laughs> there is none it's not even behind it's not even there you go <laughs> so your subscription might your subscription box might need to <laughs> might need to switch it to a blaze but i but again everything else that you're touching on brie yeah that's totally up my alley because you know i love me some small town romance i just need to switch my mindset mm -hmm. And again, explore different genres. That's exactly why I want to kind of dive into heartwarming because that's the one that I'm least familiar with or I've read less of. Have you yeah. read Dare? Yes, I have. I was going okay. I, I have. I have. I actually, I was kind of going through the um, series prior to this just to kind of jog my memory. And um, 
it again, it just brought back all these memories because I'm thinking about all the lines. Some of them exist, some of them don't exist anymore. And that, and I'm just like, oh yes. And side note, just really quickly, that's one of the reasons why I love um, shopping for them used because you can find the lines that don't exist anymore. Um, yeah. Which it took me a while to realize that they don't exist because I'm like, I mean, I see all of these Kimanis or, you know, duets right here. What do you mean they're not making any more of them? But, you know, you go into the yeah. website yeah. or you go to where major new books are sold and you don't see them anymore. <laughs> and we all, all three of us love Jill Shalvis. <sighs> and Jill Shalvis, I know. Ha- she wrote for yes, a duet. Yes, she did. <laughs> I was trying so hard. To this day, I'm kicking myself because I came across one of her um category romances way back at a used bookstore this is when I knew who she was and foolish me I didn't pick it up and to this day I'm kicking myself because I'm like I don't know why you did this to yourself you have no one to blame but yourself because she is one of my all-time favorite romance authors in general and just to see where she kind of got her start so to speak it's always been interesting to me because I didn't realize it until after I again binged a bunch of her books and became obsessed and like looked up her background and everything. And then I'm like, oh, I should have picked it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should have picked it up. <laughs> I know. Oh. Um, an autobi author. Jill Shalvis. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Um you decide you want takeout for dinner. Where are you ordering from and what are you ordering? Ooh, that's a good question. And I'm so glad that I had breakfast before this. Um, So, oh my goodness. I would probably say my current obsession is Thai food. So any kind of Thai curry would be my auto buy of any sort uh, uh, because it's just so good. But I mean, there are so many other different cuisines. I just love eating in general. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to stick to just Thai for right now. And last one, pretend we're creating a time capsule that is discovered by romance readers a hundred years from now. And we ask you to put a romance in there that you consider timeless. What romance novel is it? Oh, goodness. That is an excellent question. Um, I'm going to go with, oh, you'd think I would remember the name of this book because it was my first romance book ever. Um, It's Rachel Gibson. Um, and, oh my goodness, what is the name of that book? Is it the hockey series that she No, did? that's the Chinook oh, series, no. which I am totally familiar with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, what is the name of the book? Um, I don't remember, so I'm going to change my answer to, um, Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Um, I think that any of her books, like, um, I know that she does have a football series that I think is to die for, but um, I know I'm cheating by not fully answering the question because I'm drawing a blank on the actual books, but Susan Elizabeth Phillips, I think is such a timeless author um, in terms of contemporary romance that um, if you were to toss her books into a time capsule and still pick them up, you know, decades later, it would still be relevant um, in terms of like the the strong heroine or the man who may or may not be an alpha, but at the same time, um, you know, kind of knows the value of the heroine that he is trying to pursue. And 
all of her books just are so well written that when I read them, they weren't even new. And even then they were still kind of relevant or they seemed fresh, which I know is something that is sometimes hard to do um, when writing contemporary, because if it's contemporary in the 90s, it's not necessarily going to be contemporary 20 years later. She's definitely an author that I want to pick up. You, we we oh, we've talked Brie. about her recently. <laughs> oh, gosh, oh, I know. So good, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, I've seen her like newest. It's like Dance with Me. It's like more like I think it's like a women's fiction mm. title. But I have heard of the. I think the football series is it like a romantic comedy yes. series that she yeah. had. Okay, mm-hmm. those are the books that I'm like on the lookout for because yeah. that's the first stuff that I heard about her. So I'm like looking for those books. Yeah, to try. Yep, exactly. Um, I admittedly, I haven't picked up one of her books in years, um, but I think it's because I do favor those older ones that are the kind of humorous romance rather than the women's fiction. Um, yeah. I tend to just lean more towards kind of humorous contemporary romance rather than women's fiction, just because of the trope styles are my preferred um, tropes. But I mean, the fact that she's still writing books today speaks volumes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time out to thank chat you with for us having today. me. I you, you guys know I love chatting books, and I'm so glad that you invited <laughs> me because I gave me a reason to talk about my favorite thing in the world. And of course, now. I want to go buy books because I'm writing this bookish eye right now. <laughs> well, that's what we are here for, to enable our friends. Exactly. It's working. That's right. So you've been on a little bit of a break. I have. Are you planning on coming back anytime soon? Yes, for sure. Um, I, As you know, Brie, because we were talking about this before, but there's just been a lot of crazy changes and things happening in my personal life, like us moving and um, kind of situating in a new place and everything like that. So now that we are finally settled, I am ready to set my camera back up. Um, I have to find a place in my new spot to kind of start filming, but um, I'm really excited to do it. And I think that this chat is coming at the perfect time because I'm feeling so invigorated. (laughs) So be on the lookout for a video, at least to hold me accountable um, within the next coming days. Awesome. Well, all of Spencer's info will be in the description box. So definitely check her out. Go subscribe. Keep up with her. All things cozy, romance, (laughs) murder, she wrote. Exactly. When you post about her, it like I feel like y'all were like best friends. (laughs) In my mind, we were. In my mind, we're totally besties. So that's accurate. (laughs) 